Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Before this episode begins, we'd like to place a content warning. Uh, this episode includes discussions of sexual and physical abuse rape, torture, violence against women, and human trafficking, among others. If you are sensitive to this, please look into the description box and we will place a time marker for when all of that information has been said and where the rest of the episode picks up. Hello and welcome to the Crazecast, the podcast run by the fans for the fans that brings you closer to the action. My name is Jay and today I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Roxy and Amber. Hi! Hello everybody. To keep up with all of our content, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Craze Magazine, and YouTube, The Craze, for exclusive interviews as they come up. Before we begin, we'd like to give a big shout out to our Patreons that help make this episode possible. Big thanks to Danielle, Stuart, Mia, and Brienne for their support. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, go to patreon.com backslash Craze Magazine to check out all the great perks we have for our members. So, how are we doing today? I'm tired. <laughs> the worst. Everything is the worst. I'm tired and I have a headache. Jay and I watched the Stray Kids Beyond Live and it was two and a half hours. It was long, but it was great. It was very good. Let it be known I fought sleep for you, Stray Kids. I normally don't stay up that late anymore. It was, it's even hard to do it for like other groups. And I'm just like, I needed a na- another nap before I got into that. See, the problem with these with these online concerts is that they're always at ridiculous times. And I do not have... I'm old, so I can't stay up late anymore to do this. I mean, 10 p.m. Jay's time isn't bad. That's like, that's like 1 a.m. for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. But, like, imagine, like, what I had to do earlier this year for BTS. That started around 1 a.m. my time and didn't end till, like, 3, 4 a.m. And so I'm just That's like... awful. I don't know if I can do that. Like, and I had to nap prior to that or else I wouldn't be able to sleep. Or, yeah, I wouldn't be able to um, participate in the concert. And I was, like, literally texting Amber, I'm sleepy. <laughs> but we now know Jade needs a Nachin Bong. Yeah, I'll get my hands on it eventually, soon. Just got to figure out how. All right, so we do have a very interesting discussion today. Do you want me to start off with it? Yeah, um, so what are we talking about today, Roxy? So today we're doing a sort of hybrid discussion. Um, We're going to start by talking about the the term comfort women um, and sort of the history behind that in Korea. Um, As stated at the beginning of the episode, it is a bit intense, um, so do listen to it with caution. But if you want to skip that to, you know, where we're going to have a bit more lighthearted discussion, um, there will be a uh, timestamp in the information for this that will say when we are done with it. Um, But yes, so for a brief overview, um, the term comfort women comes from uh, a a historical point, essentially, in uh, Korean history where a lot of women were being uh, taken against their will um, and used as, quote unquote, comfort for uh, Japanese soldiers when, you know, they were 
taking over Korea and trying to destroy its entire culture. Fun fact, if people don't know about that, <laughs> um, around, I believe it was 1910 is when um, Japan took over from the Joseon dynasty and sort of attempted to make uh, the Korean peninsula a second Japan. And there are a lot of pretty nasty stories and history that come around with that. So uh, Amber actually wrote this article. So I was going to go ahead and hand it off to her to um, talk about it some more. Yeah. So this was probably one of the hardest articles I've ever had to write. And like even thinking back to stuff I've wrote in college, like this is probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to write at all. Um, So comfort women, the term comes from like Roxy stated, that's the words that they've used to describe women who were enslaved as sex slaves during World War II. And I personally think it's a misnomer because you can't provide, I don't think it's comfort that they were providing since they were forced to do what they were doing. Now, I do want to make note that while Korean women did make up the majority of the women uh, who had to endure this horrific event. There were women from um, part all over Asia and part of the Dutch Indies as well. So it's not just Korean women that had to face this issue. So in the article, I kind of break down some things you should know about it. So one thing I do want to point out is that these comfort stations where these women were taken to do this job were actually backed by the Japanese government. They were created to avoid another massacre. Do you guys know about the um, the rape of non... non uh, I cannot remember the country right now, but I mentioned it in the article. Do you know what I'm talking about? The rape of Nanking? Yes, that. Yeah, yeah like, um, I think for a brief period... Um, I, it's either I read on it or I learned about it at one point in school, but um, it, it was it was terrible. It was very terrible. So the reason for creating these camps is to avoid that issue again. But the problem was that these women were supposed to be told upfront what they would be doing, and they were not. A majority of the cases, the women were kidnapped and told lies. And basically, all of these women were sex trafficked to do this horrible, in quotation marks, job. And in the article, you mentioned that there were women as young as 12 years old being taken and just being put in these types of situations that are that are very, very horrible. And, you know, there are people, there are still women till this day who are alive, who experience that, that are still around. And it's just... Oh, it's so overwhelming. And um, isn't it like they're still trying to, I don't want to, I don't remember exactly, but like they're still trying to get some sort of like apology or acknowledgement that this happened to Korean women and other women who experience these comfort women things, right? Yes, there there was an acknowledgement about it back in 1996, I think was the time it was around that time that the Japanese government finally admitted that this was a thing that happened the problem nowadays is that there's people who deny that as well as um, they refuse to apologize for the issues and there's a lot of just like in America how we have these conspiracy theorists there's a lot of people um, in Japan who do the same thing when it comes to comfort women which I find disgusting you know I, I find it 
the whole history of this era very interesting because um, the Japan that we know uh, at our age has been like not, I don't want to say not problematic because everyone is problematic basically, but yeah, very subdued. Like they have not been seen as an enemy and the more research that you sort of do about Korean history, the more you sort of see how like absolutely unhinged Japan was when they were run as a dictatorship. And it's just an example that, you know, nobody seemed to really care um, that they were taking women and sex trafficking them is basically what it was because all that happened was these women were put into these quote unquote facilities or factories and basically just Japanese soldiers came in and used them as they pleased. There was no regulation around it obviously so it was they were just basically sex slaves and you know the fact that people want to cover that up because it is obviously fucking terrible um it's <laughs> there's a reason history repeats itself and that's because people keep trying to uh erase really bad history what what kind of made me really upset when i was doing the research for this article um was the fact that we're not really taught about this in the West. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know West is very Western centric um, in general. Um, so like, even if you take world history, like most of what you study is Europe. So if you are interested at all in Asia, you kind of have to do uh, like, a you have to self-teach yourself, which is what I have done. I have a lot of books on Korea and the history of Korea, um, just because I'm so interested in the culture. But like, you know, they only touch on ancient China for like a very short period of time, but nobody really talks about, you know, more modern things that have happened in Asia. And it's something that you really have to dig for. And I feel like um, when we are learning about Asia, like some of the things that really do stick out are like around, like more modern is World War II and like the Vietnam War, the Korean War. That's all we really are taught here in school. So yeah, like Roxy mentioned, like we only get brief, like it's almost like slim pickings at this point of exactly what history do we learn about in school? Well, this event actually took place during World War II. True, that's right, it did. But I feel like more of the things that we learn about are like the methodology of how each country is like, oh, they have this type of tactic when it comes to the war. Like, you get what I'm trying to say, right? Like, um, was it oh, yeah. in yeah, yeah, Vietnam? Yeah, we have guerrilla warfare, stuff like that. I, it's more of like the warfare tactics than it is like, this is what's happening in the country itself. Roxy mentioned it earlier, but there are, was it Roxy or Jay? But one of you guys mentioned earlier that the there are still living comfort women um i believe there are 12 women in korea that are still are alive um that tell the stories of how this happened to them one of the one of the first korean women who stepped out and told her story it happened in 1991 and from there more and more women have came out of the woodwork and these are only, they only know, these are the women who currently reside in Korea. There could be surviving comfort women, um, Korean, uh, Southeast Asian, Dutch Indies that live all over the world. So this isn't a, like something that is like completely done in our history, that there are still people who live with these horrible memories. 
And one way Korea is helping people learn about that is they actually established the home for comfort women. And that home was the house of sharing, right? You mentioned that in your article. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jay. I was blanking on the name. That's why I was like, like, uh, do I (laughs) interject or? Yeah. So um, you mentioned in the article, the name of the home is the house of sharing. And I, I actually really do appreciate at least they have a place to stay because this is like they've experienced everything. And it makes me think of like, what about all the women who, um, you know, who couldn't make it? you know, who didn't make it, and they experienced these brutal things, and, like, them sharing their story is such a huge and courageous thing to do, but it has to be known, you know, this, this thing did happen, and we don't want to silence their voices, and I just keep thinking about that whole, like, what about all the women who can't say anything, or who couldn't say something at the time? I think that, like, the stories that these women tell are very, like, courageous. Um, In the article, we're not going to discuss it on the podcast because it is too graphic um, to be discussed. I do put two testimonies about how women who had to deal with these things. Um, How did you guys feel reading that? It was uh, it was really hard, even for me. I think I have a pretty strong stomach, but, like, some of the stuff that I was reading... If you if any of this bothers you, then I would advise not to look at it because, um, I mean, it's very intense, but it's also something that has to be said because if it's not, then it's probably going to happen again. And that's the issue with serious problems. Anytime something is swept under the rug, then there's always a concern that history will, will repeat itself like this. What about you, Jay? Yeah, definitely reading this article. It's one that I had to like take my time with reading. It's definitely something I have to put down and then, okay, like recollect myself, get back to reading it because it, what happened to these women was so horrific. And I mean, like you, there are other things that happen in the world that are so gruesome, but you know, when it's like this, it's just, I can't, I can't believe it, it did happen, and um, it's so bad, and, like, just even, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, go into it, but, like, you know, the account of them trying to run away, and then getting caught, it was just, like, these women couldn't escape, and if, if they did, it was just, like, there's still trauma that is lingering from what you've seen and experienced. And I'm just like, oh, this is hard. To, it, it's a huge pill to swallow. And like Roxy said, if, if this isn't your thing, don't read it. it. It's a lot to take in. If you do decide to click on the article, um, the there is a heading that tells you what where the testimonies are. Just scroll right past that. Um, so going back on the house of sharing, so the house of sharing itself is where women can live. Um, there in the house of sharing, they don't refer to the survivors as, um, 
convert women. They actually use a very endearing term. They call them halmonis, the, um, the Korean term for grandmothers. And I'm like, I think that's really cute because everyone is halmoni. Um, and the, the halmonis, they do like art therapy. And prior to COVID, people would come and visit and chat with them and hear their stories. Um, once COVID lifts up, people can come to Korea and visit the house of sharing and they have translators on certain days that you can listen to the women and hear them tell their stories i haven't been able to go yet but i definitely plan on going because as a woman that lives in society and the like the countless issues in, with like human trafficking and things these women really do tell a story that everyone needs to hear and understand and i'm happy to know that uh they are willing to share these things and to help prevent these atrocities from happening again in the same complex of the house of sharing there is a museum that details these events they also have a replica of a comfort station uh, and that comfort station is where these women were placed and i discussed it in the article but they were no bigger than a closet Jesus, that's so small. That is tiny. God. Well, I mean, that's because they're not being treated like humans. They're being treated like, uh, what would you call it? Products. So obviously not going to take care of them. One of the things that I learned is that these comfort stations, they really didn't even have beds. They had like mats on the floor and there wasn't real walls. There were curtains. So they had to listen to fellow women be brutalized and used. And the fact that they would have to deal with upwards of 40 men a day. That's still just a lot of these women coming out of these facilities. They were not able to bear children and like still deal with pain to this day because of the things that they faced. See, this, you know, people that are not as familiar with the history uh, of Korea don't fully understand that there even still lingers tension between Japan and Korea. Um, And, you know, you see people on the internet that are like, that fetishize Asian cultures and sort of conflate both Korea and Japan as like the same thing. You know, when you hear stories like this, you kind of understand why that is so like ridiculous it really (laughs) the things that uh japan did to korea for a really long time is really uh really fucked up and all of these stories coming out really highlights that too i do want to say that a lot of like there are some deniers just like there's holocaust deniers just like there's 9-11 deniers there are some people who deny that this ever happened and that these women were prostitutes that knew what they were getting into which i call bullshit fuck off literally just fuck off um like even in our social media that people were replying to us when we posted about this article that they were prostitutes that are lying about their um situations and again bullshit like just get over yourself See, the thing about that, though, even if these women chose to be prostitutes to make money because their families were dying, that doesn't mean that you deserve to be completely brutalized the way that some people were. Like, consensual sex work is a good thing. Like, women have the right to choose to do that. But when the choice is gone, that's where shit hits the fan. So, okay. So, kind of switching gears here. Um the term comfort women isn't something that we're really taught about in the West, right? We, we can agree that that's not something that's prevalent in our history books. Right, 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 right. So 
what I see a lot of K-pop fans do when, when discussing the idols that mean a lot to them, they use the term comfort idol, especially when it comes to like the female idols. Um, I kind of find it a really inappropriate use of terminology now, learning about the history of like the connotation of comfort in use of Korean people. Yeah, like after knowing like the history behind comfort women, calling an idol a comfort idol, I mean, like it's it's a bit eh, not the best choice of words to describe it, but I mean, if your idol brings you like that sense of like healing and comfort in that sense and everything, I think it's still it's okay but don't label them as, oh, they are my comfort idol. Like, no, this person brings me some sort of healing in that sense. And like, I feel like this connection that when things are going wrong, when things, you know, when shit is hitting the fan, whenever I listen to their music or I watch a video of this person, like I, like there's a sense of comfort in that sense, if you get what I mean. That, I think that's fine in that way. I don't know. I I don't know if it's just like me, but I just call them my emotional support K-pop boy. That's, that's what I used to. That's what it's always been. I think, yeah, that I think that would be better in terms of wording if you're gonna say it like that. But yeah, it's at the end of the day, these idols are people that we pay to entertain us. Like that's their only job is to perform on stage and look pretty. Other than that, they don't have any obligation to do anything else. But if somehow they bring you a sense of healing, then that's great. But I think referring to them as comfort idols kind of like brings back that history. Like it takes their like that kind of like their autonomy away. Like they have to bring you comfort. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, I mean, to be fair to a lot of people, like, the term comfort women is not widely known, so there's not, there's just not knowledge of, like, what the connotation is necessarily to, potentially, to, like, Koreans. See, and that's completely okay, and that's why we, like, I wanted to write this article, um, and I'm going to go into it a little more in this month's Fanadice article, um, that we it is not western fans fault that we're not educated on this topic i will i want to yell at the history book it's the history book's fault it's not our fault but on a lighter topic who are your emotional support k-pop boys or girls rosie do you want to go first yeah i can um i don't know about you guys but like this week has been tough this month has been tough like it's just been a bad time all around um and it becomes very clear where you sort of find your solace um if you can't necessarily do it uh with people in real life which is true for some of us um my top emotional support boy has always been min yoongi um for like the last five years and it's not just because you know i like him as a person but his music has always been incredibly therapeutic and i think that's true for a lot of people like what got me through college was the song Tomorrow by BTS, which he wrote. And um, his mixtapes especially are very, um, they're very like raw emotionally. So I've always found that his music is able to 
express things that I'm feeling that maybe I don't really recognize until I hear it. So it's like, it gives me an emotional release. So if I need to cry, I can listen to one of these songs and I'll be like weeping, but I'll feel better afterwards because, you know, you get to express that emotion. Um, And I think that is really what is most important about an emotional support K-pop boy. And I would also say Kim Hong-jung from AT's. Uh, that's a pretty common one for a lot of people. Same Although, geez. yeah, I saw a TikTok the other day of somebody that was like, oh, who's your comfort idol? It's Hong-jung from AT's. And they were like, oh, baby, you're not okay. But that's okay. And I was like, I really hate how much this has called me out right now. I'm in this picture and I don't like it. Basically, but I don't even know how to express it for Hong Jung because, I mean, the history for Yoongi is a lot longer, but I guess it's kind of along the same vein because Hong Jung is another one of those idols that, you know, produces music for his group. Um, so, you know, this time it was the song Aurora that got me, like, dying. It's stuff like that, and I don't know, he just has a, he has a presence about him, uh, at least that he presents, that's very, like, it's just like warm and fluffy and, you know, welcoming. And it's, I don't really know how to put it into words, but like if you have one of these idols that on the surface, cause you know, we can never really know who they are deep down. But if you have one of them, you kind of just know when they are the person that sort of you turn to for, for solace. I, I definitely echo like a lot of what you're saying. Um, for me, my emotional I have a couple people I consider my emotional support k-pop idols um first one is Bang Chan from Stray Kids um for some reason just like this this 20 something year old man from Australia just just one look at his goofy looking face he's handsome don't come at me stays that like I just smile um and I think it comes from the fact that he is like as transparent as we can say a transparent an idol can be transparent with us and being able to like be at that level like he comes down to like the fans level and discusses things with us um and the OG emotional support K-pop boy is currently in the military, but when the love of my life, Bang Gyeonggu, comes home, um, he, I don't know, I think with Bang Gyeonggu, his, like, his willingness to be open with fans and, like, discussing his mental health issues and discussing why he feels important in the world and kind of just, he's not afraid to tell you what's up. And I think that feels really good to know that in another world that Bang Yang will call me out on my bullshit if I need called out on my bullshit, you know? Um, listening to you guys, I'm trying to think of who mine are. Um, definitely Yonggook is another one because that's my man's also, it's my ultimate man's. But um, J-Hope from BTS is probably up there just because anytime like his solo stuff like he's such a ball of sunshine it's so unfair at times i'm just like uh-huh, i love you <laughs> like um like there's just this positive and radiating energy that he puts out when he does his work or when he's with the other members that i'm just like oh, 
you are just too precious. Um, if I want to talk in terms of like uh, more music wise, I really, this, this is going to be like the first time these two have heard me say this and obviously the podcast. Music wise, I really like listening to Zion T and Crush a lot. Um, listening to their music, um, I can always calm down from a lot of things or like Roxy mentioned, like I can just listen to the music and if I need a good cry, I can just, it, it it's there, you know? And so I really like listening to them, especially on a really bad day or if I just need some time to relax at some point. Crush's new album is really good. Um, but I'm trying to think of like females and I always say Ayu. Okay. So I, that's a given, but, um, I also really like Lehigh as well in terms of, uh, what's called in terms of her music and the types of things that she puts out and the messages that she has in her music. And I want to see her thrive as an artist. And so, I really just like those artists. I'm trying to think of like who else, like the moment I see them, like they're like all is well again, but I, I'm drawing up short. So yeah, those are mine. Going on the topic of like songs, um, that one song that if I am spiraling out of control and I just need something like to ground me and it's, it's Sunshine by Stray Kids. Have you guys heard that song? Yes. I haven't. It's, it's just like the song literally tells you that if you need a moment to like sit down, listen to the song and like block out the sounds of the city and the members Han Han penned this song. And Han has been uh was recent I think it was last year it came out that he deals with like anxiety and panic disorder and so like having something that even he's like yeah just just listen put this on listen to it and sit the fuck down really just like the song just like you know when you hear something your soul just settles that that that's that song i have uh, a song like that actually i don't might have been a year ago or so um but you know there was one day at work that i started to like have a panic attack and i put on uh AT's song Precious, but like the the overture version, which is like just the instrumental version that came out in their um the full album that they released. Uh and I just put that on loop until I calmed down. Like I legitimately was like about to like lose it in public. But something about that song, something about the way that it's composed, like stopped that stopped me in my tracks. And you know, I just listened to it until I finally felt like I was okay. And I think that, you know, a lot of people clown K-pop stands all the time without really considering that, you know, this stuff means a lot to those of us that listen to it. And it's not just on a superficial level. Um, I see that a lot for BTS as well, because they're so popular. It's so easy for people to, you know, talk shit about them. Um, but like for me personally, like the uh, most beautiful moment in life part two, that entire album is like for the last five years has been something that like makes me okay. And BTS releases a lot of music that is aimed at sort of helping you acknowledge 
the problems or like the things that you're feeling or any sort of like depression and to, you know, turn that around and sort of tell you about how it's okay for you to be that way and that things are going to get better. And that's why so many people attach themselves to BTS because like, obviously most of us hate the fandom because they're annoying. And a lot of the times there's not discussions of the importance of their music anymore. So I just think that people tend to forget the reason why everybody is so protective of BTS is because BTS helped them when they needed it the most. Yeah, I'm just like, how do I follow up with what Roxy said? She she put it into good words. Um, I thought about it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking in terms of like, you know, we're going to all have that song or album you know who i actually really like thinking about it i really like epic high's music too like yeah they they have some really hard-hitting stuff but like especially their last most like their last few releases those albums have actually have been in like i don't know if you guys do it like this like i do but i'm just like um i have like oh this is like one of my favorite albums that have come out in the last year um, and their most recent one, especially, is just like, whoa, there's a lot of emotions that are happening in here. A lot of good hype, but a lot of raw feeling. And I feel like Epic High knows how to hone in on that. And they're really good. I mean, Tableau is a godsend. And like, you know, what they do with their music is just chef's kiss. Um, and like they really do put a lot of thought like not to say that other idols don't but there's a lot like there's a reason why it takes so long for them to come back because there's so many things that go into place about how do they want to curate this album how do they want what's the message that they want the overall album to be and i mean they're making a comeback next year so early next year so i'm excited to see what they're gonna do Epic High is a great example of that. I have like I have a whole playlist for like when I'm feeling shitty and a lot of Epic High songs are great for that. Tableau is a great like emotional support idol. He's my dad. I'm sure I've said that before, but like he kind of fills that role for a lot of people. Yeah, like I am definitely looking forward to seeing what Epic High's new album's gonna be. 2021, it's gonna be a good year for Epic High, I will say that. And definitely have missed out on their music. Uh, they didn't come, I don't think they came out with anything this year, right? I don't think so. Oh, another, another idol that I really, really resonate well with, with his music and um, the things that he puts out is Eric Nam. I really, really, really enjoy um, listening to his music. I love what he does with his uh, career. Um, he's come a long way. And it's just like, it's. I'm just like, why aren't you more like, uh, I wish there were more for you. But um, yeah, Eric's, especially his newest album, Love Die Young was probably, is up there in terms of my favorite songs of 2020. And like more of his ballads are like my speed and not to say that <laughs> upbeat songs aren't good either because they are but yeah i am going on a tangent i'm sorry guys no like i i feel you like i really do Ebekai is one of those people that they're my go-to person to listen to when i need that like that that moment you know like we all have that playlist when we're we're in those moments 
if you've made it this far in the podcast, what are some songs that bring you that sense of healing and just like you feel much better when it comes to listening to this artist or even looking at pictures or videos? Let us know because uh, we also have an article that uh, who I forgot who released it, but there's an article out there where we also listed like some of our favorite songs that provide healing and um, just empowerment in that sense so let us know we'd love to hear what you guys have to say because maybe we have you guys have different um songs out there that we haven't really honed in on and um really listened to so let us know other than that i think it's a good segue to um talk about our next underrated artist for this episode yes so for our underrated artist uh, this week, we chose Girl Kind. Girl Kind is a four-member girl group under Next Level Entertainment. They debuted in 2018 with the single Fancy. Uh, at the time, we're five members. They've lost a member since then. Girl Kind is kind of, to me, a very interesting situation because they've been one of the groups that has been like releasing singles uh, since their debut. And I, I covered Fancy when it came out. I thought it was a good song. Um, I liked it a lot. But since then, uh, they sort of have had issues gaining traction, not just in popularity, but it seems like their entertainment company uh, is not doing well with money because they often have to go and do these little, um, the like the Kickstarter projects that they do for idol groups. I forget what the site is called. but Makestar? Sure, yeah, Makestar. So... They do a lot of things on Makestar. Um, they just recently had a comeback. Um, I believe it was last month or earlier this month. I don't know. Time isn't real right now. Uh, with the single Psycho For You. Um, and they've had a few others since then as well. Or like before then. I really vibe with this group, honestly. Um, the big thought I had while listening to them, they sound like their company made, uh, meant to make a male group but they made a female group, but all their concerts feel like are traditionally given to male groups. Like the song just feels like a, uh, like a boy group should be singing it, but like it, it slaps like all of them do. There was one song I forget. It wasn't the most recent comeback, but it was a comeback before that, that I was like really disappointed in because it was so like flat. I have to go look it up one second. Jay, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but it's like the group, it's like if Mamamoo and 21 had a love child. Huh, yes. You know what? Actually, yeah, now that you put it out there, like, I, yeah, I can see that. Like, I haven't had the opportunity to listen to their most recent stuff, or maybe I have, because like sometimes they just put like random like K pop playlists on Shuffle. And I, I probably have listened to them. I, I definitely know who this girl group is. So yes, I know who they are. I have listened to them before, but not their recent stuff as of late. And it, it has been a rough week. But um, yeah, like when I had the opportunity to like look back at some of their other stuff, um, I was just like, oh yeah, I remember this group. And um, they there's a lot of potential in this girl group too. It's just, of course, you know, it's hard to be a rookie group or at this point they're technically not rookies but it's hard to be in that underrated sphere because you're constantly pushing out content but it's like you want to see the results but it's hard it's hard when you're in a saturated um field as it is but I like them 
I, I have nothing wrong against them. I I kind of get what Amber is saying because like I feel like their debut single Fancy was more like something maybe a boy group would do and then they sort of shift gears and they released a single S-O-R-R-Y. I hated that song. I hated it with a passion. Um, that one is more like traditional girl cutesy thing but like the song itself was not very good so it seemed like they had started one way and then did like a complete shift and then um there's a single future i didn't hate it but i didn't love that song um which sort of shifted back into the less girly sort of thing i don't know it's been a little bit weird and i'm not sure the company really knows what they're doing I mean, if they go with the, like, I feel like the songs that they make aren't traditionally made by girl groups. Like, there was one song I'm like, it's what solidified my thought of, like, it's if Mama Moo and 21 had a baby, because some of their sounds we haven't heard since 21. That could have a significant amount of potential. I agree. And I think this is one of those groups it comes down to as if their, their company can figure their life out. I feel like that's like the main downfall of some of these some of these groups is their company just doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, I I I don't have any other things to offer or what to say about this girl group other than still give them a listen, please. I I know I'm not the greatest of, the, of uh, la, 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 I cannot talk. I'm not the greatest example of keeping up fully and like really it um investing my time in a girl group or a boy group but definitely still give these girls a listen because they put out some pretty good music definitely like they're definitely going on my playlist okay so any final thoughts today about any of the things we discussed take some time to educate yourself on um like comfort women it's definitely something that people need to know about um, definitely also if you are going to do your research on it like make sure you are ready to handle like some of the things because it's, it's a very 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 um hard topic to read about there's a lot of graphic things that have happened so definitely when you are ready to go into looking into comfort women be at a place where you're like okay like there's a lot happening but I'm gonna be okay um let's try and step away from calling our idols comfort idols and you know making more of a push of calling them emotional support idols in that sense or your favorites in that way um just because comfort idols is not really the term we want to call them especially with the association of comfort women uh and listen to girl kind if you haven't already and I think that's it. And um, by the time this gets up, uh, goes out, happy Thanksgiving to all our U.S. listeners. And as always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, posting daily. Um, I'm sure we have some great stuff coming up this week for our website, so be sure to keep an eye out on everything. All right, so this has been the Crazecast, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.